Welcome to another Alive at Springwood podcast, brought to you by Springwood Presbyterian Churches, where we don't believe churches are buildings. Churches are people. Disciples of Jesus bound together in diversity by God's love, while pursuing faithfulness and vulnerability, celebration and lament, reading the Bible and prayer. May you be encouraged and God glorified by this edition. Well, good evening, everybody. It's lovely to be with you um, tonight, this week, and for the next two weeks, uh, a brief break from our Acts and uh, Deuteronomy series. So this and the next two weeks are on a a topic related to justice. And we've got Jill to look forward to uh, speaking with us next week. But for tonight, the brief I've got is to speak from Psalm 146 and specifically to speak about justice, particularly justice for those who are often marginalised. And I wonder what came to mind when you heard Psalm 146 read. Uh, Feel free to feed back some responses. But for me, I think there could be a range of responses from possibly a sense of great reassurance and security that this psalm again confirms that God cares really deeply about his world. Uh, And maybe through to some very different responses, such as it prompted me to think about some of the, the grave injustices that I'm aware of, that maybe you're Uh, have experienced or are personally experiencing or you know others have or that you are aware of around the world somewhere. But regardless of what first comes to mind when you uh, encounter Psalm 146, I think it's a delight to dip into what is such a terrific psalm. It's one of the last five psalms Uh, that we have from 146 to 50. Uh, They've been referred to as the doxology of the Psalms. The Psalms of Praise, a wonderful, uplifting, encouraging ending to the uh, 150 Psalms in total. The focus is on praising God. Uh, And unlike many other Psalms, there's not much petition going on. There's not much of bringing the Psalmist light before God. It's mainly a focus on the goodness, the supremacy of God. And in terms of Psalm 146, uh, in terms of the author, a bit of a question mark there. Some suggest it could be David, or a Jewish tradition suggests it could be Haggai and Zechariah. Anyway, uh, as far as we're concerned tonight, it probably doesn't really make much difference. But I suspect in one sense it's tempting to say, well, if we're talking about Psalm 146, then basically this should be a pretty short, nice, upbeat uh, talk. And certainly the psalm does clearly point to our amazingly good God, to God who is on the side of the widow, the fatherless, the immigrant and the poor. It points to God who cares for the afflicted and the vulnerable. Now, I hope that shouldn't surprise us. It, I hope, affirms what we know and what we appreciate 
about God and feel comfortable with about God. The psalm does invite us to praise God and to rest in his desire and his capacity to be a bringer of justice. That's a pretty lovely invitation. And I think it's also true that justice and care for the marginalised is an ever-present thread through scripture. Um, as we know, the last few weeks here at Alive at Five, the focus has been on Acts, and therefore Paul has been fairly central. Well, Galatians uh, 2 verse 10 is just one of probably hundreds of examples of this thread of justice that we find in the Bible or through the Bible. And here, uh, Paul explains, as James and Peter and John are about to farewell Barnabas and himself, as they are about to set off to take the gospel to the Gentiles, that their only instruction is, remember the poor. And how does Paul respond? Well, that's the very thing that I've been eager to do all along. However, I'm assuming that you haven't had your head in the sand recently and that sometime of late you have checked out the news or you've had conversations with neighbours or, or friends or family and we don't need much reminding that our world is complex and messy and often very, very painful. And injustice is a daily reality for many people. This might be occurring within families or workplaces, in the school or other institutions, or you could be mindful of injustice on a global level. And here's just a reminder of a few uncomfortable situations that are happening right now. Uh, let's have a, a, a global look. Today, as well as the awful unfolding situation in Israel, between Israel and Hamas, there are countless, countless people that are oppressed, many of them to the point of death. In the next 24 hours, as estimated by the UN, around 25,000 people will die from avoidable hunger and hunger-related causes. Uh, avoidable causes. And that includes over 10,000 children. Uh, today, probably happening now as we speak, people are still imprisoned unjustly, many for simply professing faith, and often faith in Jesus. Now through Amnesty or Voice of the Martyrs or Open Doors and other organisations, we might be aware of just a few of them. But many, probably the majority, are only known to God and maybe a handful of other people who care. And speaking of those suffering injustice, what about the foreigner or the refugee? Well, currently, due to maybe conflict or disaster or climate or other causes, there are now approximately 110 million. Now, that's four times the population of Australia, if you're trying to get your head around the scope of that number, 110 million people that are displaced 
they cannot return to their home. And if we have a little look a little closer to home, where was the justice for the numerous people who languished for year upon year in Nauru or Manus in offshore detention, even though they'd committed no crime, but that was under Australian policy um, for the last 10 years or so. And I want us to, uh, to grapple with tonight, so as, as people of faith, what do we do with the gulf between a psalm that speaks of God's goodness and his mercy on one hand, and on the other hand, a plight that is so very real for so many? And how, with honesty and integrity, do we reconcile these seemingly sort of polar opposites in our thinking? How do we grapple with scripture on this issue? But isn't that what we have to do? Isn't that what we're called to do? To grapple with how scripture speaks into our lives and into our contemporary world. And I'd like to take the rest of this hopefully shortish talk to explore this a little further. Here's just a few observations and I'm really happy for people to uh, provide feedback and to share uh, observations and have some discussion at the end. Well firstly, do trust in God rather than people. Uh, verse 3 helpfully points out the obvious. It's God that can save, not people. That alone is God's domain. And God certainly has form when it comes to faithfulness and keeping promises and showing compassion. And human beings certainly have form when it comes to uh, mixed motives and being unreliable, duplicity, etc. Secondly, this is God's world. God is the creator. It's his world. Verse 6, he is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea, everything. Uh, from Psalm 19, verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. And the beginning of John's gospel, which is just quite wonderful, has the stunning words that inform us that it's Jesus, that everything was made both through and for. But I'd like to pursue the connection a little between God being creator and justice. Perhaps the best known verse in the, in the whole of the Bible, John 3.16. For God so loved the world. God loves the world. God loves all of creation. Human beings, yes, but all of creation. I want to suggest that God hates all injustice, including injustice committed against his creation. A couple of reasons potentially why. Well, one, because any abuse of God's creation directly impacts God's people, vulnerable people. Here's just one example. There's a little over 11,000 residents of Tuvalu, a small island in the Pacific, and they basically contribute nothing at all to human-induced global warming, which is causing sea levels to rise. 
However, they're likely to be forced out of their homes as the sea swallows their entire nation. And that'll happen sometime in the next one or two, maybe three generations. And secondly, what God has created is good and unique and special, regardless of whether it has any direct connection or benefit with, uh, with people. I've got a poster at home that I, I love. It's about Tasmania's forests and it simply states, Tassie's forests, their greatest value is just being there. And in Australia, it's sobering, we are a world leader in loss of biodiversity. We have, out of any country in the world, the highest rate of mammal extinctions. So God as creator, plus a lover of justice, he wants creation to be treated well. He wants justice to be enacted as we deal with creation. A third point, another point. God saves. We touched on that a little earlier, but I'm speaking in terms of salvation in both the sense of forgiven and saved for eternity, but also saved from present danger and oppression. God is a bringer of justice. He does uphold the downtrodden. And God can and sometimes does act in ways that are just completely beyond our comprehension. Throughout history, and no doubt now, even now at times, he miraculously intervenes to frustrate the wicked, to save those, to lift up those that are bowed down. Uh, some of you will know of stories and examples of, of um of God doing just that. Um, maybe read the writings of Richard Wormbrand of Voice of the Martyrs or uh, Brother Jung's Heavenly Man and there's many other accounts of God acting um, in ways which justify human understanding. However, however, God has instituted the church. And this is a point I want to explore a little more. People have agency. People, ourselves, we have the capacity to act justly. We have the capacity to seek to honour God with our decisions and our actions, or otherwise. Let's be clear. It's people that are the cause of injustice. Human beings are the purveyors of injustice. Now, I know we're not always responsible for... Uh, a number of events, events such as weather-induced disasters. However, when it comes to injustice, it's human on human. However, we can and we should be into reconciliation and we should be seeking to be agents of justice and restoration. And if we are, that, I believe, stems from being in relationship with Jesus. We'll explore that a little more later. But we can be, and we should be, prepared to be instruments for God as he cares for his world. Let's just go down the, uh, the road of human responsibility a little further. Sometimes injustice is just in plain sight. It seems really clear, um, 
what's going on and how we should act um, and that we should intervene. Uh, but that's not always the case. I think God calls on us to be people that are prepared to think and to engage with our society. And Paul urges us, rather than conforming to our world thinking, to seek transformation through a renewed mind that is able to discern God's will. Yes, to discern the truth about Jesus. Yes, to discern gospel truth. But also to help navigate our society, how to live well in it. Um, there's a famous quote which I, which I enjoy. It was, was uttered uh, back in 2002 by former US Secretary of State, a guy by the name of Donald Rumsfeld. I don't know if anybody can, uh, can begin to um, remember what I might be talking about, but I think it's in part baffling and humorous but insightful. Um, let me read it to you, see if you can get your head around it. He said, there are known knowns. There are things we know we know. We also know there are known unknowns. That is to say, we know there are some things we do not know. But there are also unknown unknowns. The ones we don't know, we don't know. Well, we can't. And we shouldn't even try to know everything. That's not for us. And there will be just numerous instances of grave injustices that we are just never, ever aware of. However, there's a lot of information that is really readily available. And I believe just with a bit of effort, we can get beyond the superficial. The superficial coverage of what passes for news on a lot of social media and a lot of commercial TV. As an example of this, and for this reason, I don't think the uh, if you don't know, vote no line is credible for any thinking person, thinking Christian uh, at next week's referendum. There are ways to be informed, find out. And there's a great number of tools to help us be effective in prayer or advocacy if we choose. For instance, during the week, I just spent a few minutes, really not many at all, on the Open Doors and the Tier Australia website. Plenty of info to pray specifically for people and situations and opportunities to be further engaged uh, if one desires. So various Christian organisations have effectively done a lot of the hard work for us. Organisations such as Be Slavery Free, I get their emails each week or whenever they send them out. They detail their progress in addressing slavery. Um, and in our own denomination, the Society of Gospel and Culture, it's a wonderful resource when we want to consider a range of issues from a biblical, from a coherent, coherent perspective. So to bring a, uh, a couple of earlier points together, some of you were here a couple of weeks ago when Matt Toolman spoke. A few people will remember Matt's talk. Well, among his gems from a couple of weeks ago was this line. We need to see Jesus as the fulfilment of everything. Jesus as the fulfilment of everything. 
And as we take the call in Psalm 146 to praise the Lord to heart, I think that implies that we need to be placing our trust in Jesus. We want to be living as Jesus' people. And I think that's key if we want to be living meaningfully. If our trust is in Jesus, if our heart is aligned with Jesus, then we'll care about justice because he did and he does. And we'll seek to be a participant um, in God's plans to implement care for people and shalom and wholeness. We'll pray, we'll be receptive to his leading as to what to think, say, do. Uh, Micah verse 6 well-known Old Testament verse, it tells us directly what God said was a requirement of being a person who seeks to be righteous in God's eyes, acting justly, loving mercy, but humbly leaving the rest of it up to God. And we read in John, what's our responsibility? To trust in Jesus and the implication being then to live out that trust by caring about what Jesus cares about. A final brief observation. For longer than I can remember, there's been the argument that when Christians get involved in the stuff of advocacy or, or justice issues, it can take the focus away from the gospel or, as some people put it, saving the lost. And I want to say I simply don't think that's the case at all. It shouldn't be an either-or issue. In fact, concern for the marginalised, concern for justice, they just go hand in hand with a desire to provide clear opportunities for people to encounter and then respond to the life and eternity-changing news of the gospel. And I think a church that is seen to be caring holistically has more credibility in the community when it's seeking to present the gospel. So, as we finish up, for me, a few key takeaways from Psalm 146 include what are our responsibilities or instructions? Well, to praise the Lord and to do so for all our lives, but also with all our lives. The way we live, what we value, how we look to Jesus is praise as well as what we might say or sing also, remember, God is creator. It's his world. He's good, active, and cares for his people. And he loves justice and righteousness. And as we praise him, let's keep the perspective that it's God who actually calls the shots. It's not up to us. And remember, as Romans 8.28 says, that even in all things, even in awful circumstances, even in pain, even in grief, in justice, God is at work. God works for the good of those who love him. And as discussed, God upholds but often chooses to work out his purposes through his people. As his church, people with agency, let's partner in being a bringer of justice. And I think in God's eyes, uh, being 
inf interested, being engaged in justice is a core value for his communities or communities of his people. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, one of the lines we pray is, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So isn't it a privilege, but also a responsibility as God's people to be party with him in seeking for everyone, but especially the vulnerable, at least to some extent, the on earth as it is in heaven stuff. Shalom, wholeness, things being right, people being treated with respect. And I think following Jesus will embed in us a desire for justice. And as we end, maybe a reminder that God's ways, well, they won't be thwarted. And I want to suggest that I think it often can seem like justice seems such a long, long time coming or a long way off. But a little hindsight maybe is encouraging. Let's look around the world. Verse 9 tells us that God does frustrate the ways of the wicked. We cast our eyes around the world now and probably at the time it just seemed like suffering was never ending. But what about the reigns of Pol Pot over? Hitler consigned to history. Idi Amin gone and a whole stack of other despots, their reigns are over. Apartheid in South Africa, over. And Putin's leadership will also be history before too long. So the seemingly intractable causes of injustice, nationally, internationally, or at a family, local level, well, they too will be dissolved. And God's purposes will prevail. So we can say, praise the Lord, my soul, because our faithful God has your soul, your situation, in his good and never to be thwarted plans.